1: Welcome into the RotoWire Fantasy Football Podcast, brought to you by our friends over at WinBed. I'm your host John McKechnie, joined as always by Mario Puig. A lot to get to here on this Wednesday. We got some breaking news to to digest: uh, the Tyreek Hill trade. It's gone down. We're going to get into all that. We're also going to get into some of the other major movement from around the league over the course of this last week. Let's dig in. Back in Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast, brought to you by WinBet. John McKechnie, Mario Puig, hanging out with you here on this Wednesday, busy, busy Wednesday. Mario, we'll kick things off with the big news that broke just about forty minutes ago. So, really, uh, our podcast schedule lined up nicely with the NFL's uh, content mill, uh, as as we see here, the Chiefs, per Adam Shafter. The Chiefs are trading six-time Pro Bowl wide receiver Tyree Kill to the Miami Dolphins for five draft picks. That's a 22 uh, first-round pick, not the 29th overall, a second-round pick, a fourth-round pick, as well as fourth- and sixth-round picks in the 2023 draft. Miami also getting a contract extension in place for Tyree Kill. Four years, $120 million. That's $72.2 million guaranteed. So, Mario, what's your reaction on this? Because... It, it feels like this happened so fast. Maybe my, my finger hasn't been on the pulse in Kansas City enough lately, but I, I saw the reports earlier Wednesday morning that suggested that extension talks had broken off between Hill and the Chiefs and that the Jets and the Dolphins were both interested. But, I mean, for for it to go from that to Tyreek Hill is, is, is a Dolphin on a new contract in just a matter of hours, that feels you know, like an extremely, extremely quick uh, succession of developments.
2: Yeah, I didn't see it coming. I never really looked at the Chiefs cap situation beyond, uh, like sometimes I'll just look at a team's cap situation and be like, who do I not like on this team? What contract pisses me off? And I remember looking at like Anthony Hitchens and Frank Clark for like 30 million. What the hell? Um, but I didn't think of Tyreek Hill getting traded. That was like the last thing I was looking for. So um it's got to be cap reasons. Like it's not performance that they're you know gaining with this trade. Like they're they're just trying to cut money. Um, Mahomes' contract. I Guess Chris Jones has to be up there. I don't I don't know what else is taking up so much cap space. They might be losing a. I don't know if Matthew is a free agent too. Uh, they, already I think he is. His, they already lost. They already lost Chevarez Ward. Right. So um, yeah, they're they're hurting. Like they they've gotten themselves into a bit of a rough spot with some of their transactions, and uh, yeah, I certainly, I I don't understand why, like, Frank Clark and Hitchens are still on the team before Tyreek was traded, but uh, maybe they'll be next or something.
1: It's just, you know, the the recurring theme of this entire offseason, I feel like, has been how the AFC West continues to kind of, like, accrue power, and this is, like, the first real uh, you know, bloodletting from from one of these teams, and, and it's a team that I think most people would have you know penciled in a, as the their favorite to win uh, the division next year, if not the Super Bowl. But how does this change the Chiefs' dynamic on offense? Are there any real replacements? I, I mean, we we both like Juju Smith-Schuster, but Tyreek Hill he is not. Um, so how are they going to be able to replace this? Obviously, it's a good year to to need a receiver. Um, in, in the draft, things like that. But again, Tyreek Hill just changed so much of how teams were able to defend the Chiefs. You have so much bandwidth that you need to, uh, you know, allocate to just not letting him beat you over the top. Now that's gone. They they still have some speed in the form of Miko Hartman. I think they're. Uh, I might be missing something here, but uh, MVS I think could be on the radar for the Chiefs as well. So that's that's more speed, but it, again, none of this even at, comes close to adding up to to replacing Tyreek Hill necessarily. So, what what do the Chiefs do from here?
2: Yeah, I guess you can see the singular nature of the threat that Tyreek Hill poses, specifically with that Tampa Bay regular season game from two years ago, when in the first half Tyreek had like two hundred and fifty yards, and then in the second half he only had like thirty or whatever. But uh, that was. All just the result of the, the Buccaneers in the first half playing man coverage, and in the second half playing the most opposite of that that they could think of, uh, which is to say they tried to cover Hill in the first half, and he showed how impossible it was. He showed that, like, to even get step one going in in the question of defending him, you have to completely concede uh, a style of defense that has been the you know standard, like the the by default way of playing defense like it's 100% not viable against him so there's other players where that, that sort of trend also bears out where it's like you, know, you can't cover them but to see the distinction illustrated that jarringly was just I mean it's even now it's almost unthinkable but you know at the time the way he got to 200 yards so fast it was it was just unmistakable it was just like this is a way of playing against him that will never work you'll never even start to get any traction against him. Um, So anyway, I guess uh, you can't replace that effect. Uh, Miko, I think, is pretty clearly a good role player. Like he's, I think, capable of being a good third pass catcher in a good NFL offense, good NFL passing offense. And I am maybe biased sort of player like him because I appreciate the additional uh, benefit that he provides uh, where because of his speed, uh, this the defense is just fundamentally playing him differently than than someone else who doesn't have his speed and uh, if they aren't prepared to treat him with that level of respect he can beat them over the top. Like one thing that I don't understand is so hard to get people to understand is that Michael Hardman is a uniquely dangerous big play threat and uh, I will give Reed some blame for how they mostly used him underneath last year, but. The, the fact is, too, defenses tried to sit deep on Mecole the same way they were on Tyreek Hill. Like, Tyreek uh, Mecole Hardman, too, was not getting uh, half of a field without a safety over the top. It just wasn't happening. So, like, they were getting some of those plays that was that happening where Mahomes is sitting back, patting the ball. No one's getting open. Daryl Williams has not been covered within 20 yards of him for a full eight seconds. And Mahomes is holding on to the ball. That's because the safety went with Hardman, too. so. Just because Hill is gone doesn't mean that Hardman's all of a sudden going to get, you know, really primo looks or whatever. But there is target slack, a lot of it. Kelsey can't pick it up. Juju, I think, is going to be really good. I, I think people are are wrong to doubt him, however many people might. Um, but, yeah, I think the way that the Chiefs should run it next year is just Juju Smith-Schuster and Tyree, uh, Sorry, Travis Kelsey are your, like, target volume guys. And Mikal Hardman is the one that you keep him running deep as much as possible because if the safeties decide that they're going to be cute and try to, you know, jump a pass over the middle on Kelsey or Smith Schuster, you can make them pay, you know, a six point price for that when Hardman's on the field. And I, I think, uh, you know, they should, they should be able to appreciate that, especially if, um, you know, not to rule them out taking a first round wide receiver. In fact, I would almost kind of expect them. It's, it would be good for them to target Jamison Williams or Chris Olave I'm sure some others would be worth their time too, but those two in particular would be a great compliment to Juju, Kelsey, even Hardman. Like it would would just make both corners of the end zone, a a huge concern for the defense on every single play. Uh, But Marquez Valdez scantling has otherwise been linked to them and is apparently visiting them. It's, it's really frustrating to me that the level of like discourse and and the literature on uh, fantasy football, wide receiver play, whatever has gotten us to this point but people seem to be confused about who, uh, uh, like how Mikkel Hardman compares to a player like Marcus Valdez Scantling. Like I had somebody in my mentions bothering me about, like, you know, Marcus Valdez Scantling is clearly more reliable than Hardman. Like, no, you're just making that up. That has never been the case. Marcus Valdez Scantling hasn't even caught half of his NFL targets. Mikkel Hardman has caught about two thirds for almost 10 yards a target. Marcus Valdez Scantling is like, Uh, 16 points lower in yards per target and 26 less in catch percentage than Hardman. These players are not comparable. One is good. One is a total decoy. And there's a big difference between the two of them. So if if Hardman's only competition is Valdez-Scantling, I'd definitely take the over on his numbers this year. But they should try to get Olave
1: or Jamison Williams. So we think that Going with a, a, the speed route, but you know Williams obviously pre- presents that. Alave too, to to a slightly lesser extent, at least we we think so. Williams obviously unable yeah. um, to to test at the combine, but but he's obviously he's got uh, legit game speed. No one no one in this class, other than I guess Tyquan Thornton, theoretically ha- has that that type of uh, Danny Gray, speed. but I don't really believe in him all that much. No, and I'm not the the biggest Thornton guy myself either. Jones, I guess. Yeah. But, you know, we start to see, you know, what this offense looks like now. And it's just, it's hard to imagine it not having some hiccups. And we we were seeing this offense struggle in ways in it, that it hasn't under Patrick Mahomes this past season. Uh, you know, for a lot of the regular season, we never knew if they were going to get in gear. Uh, they, they finally did in, you know, a couple of those playoff games and then ended up losing uh, to the Bengals, of course. Impressive against the Bills and the, and the Steelers, uh, To to be clear. But. Losing Tyree, I, I, I trust my homes. I, I still think that he might be just pound for pound the most talented quarterback I've ever seen. But um, he, he, you can't say that he hasn't also had an elite supporting cast around him. And I'm not sure that I'm characterizing it uh, that same way without Tyree Kill. No matter who they bring in to re- to try to replace.
2: Yeah, the one thing I hate about their situation is. I, I think they should be fine if they are prepared to act on the threat of running and are capable of running well. To get Clyde Edwards lair going, they need to feed him the way that they did in his first three starts before they got distracted and uh, whatever, before they started being impressed watching McKinnon and Daryl Williams run against a defenseless field. Uh, and de- the defense was always there when Clyde Edwards was on the field uh, and, 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 you know being able to understand that hey, that's good that the defense cares, that might get somebody uh, to defend Hardman or Juju Smith Schuster or Kelsey a little bit less. But instead, they looked at that zero coverage on those guys and said, Hey, let's bench Edwards Hilaire and see if that fixes everything. It won't, you will bury yourself if you go down that route. And the, the problem is, I don't have any good reason to assume Reed does anything different, like, he is consistently wrong about his personnel decisions. So they're losing a lot of talent and there's not any reason to give Andy Reed the benefit of the doubt as far as like coming up with a really good plan, especially
1: right away. So with, with that in mind, who's the best player in this offense? Is it, does it remain Travis Kelsey? Do you expect him who, who's going to be turning 33 uh, this upcoming season? Do you expect like him ju- to be able to,
2: to hold price, up? I
1: guess. How, how much do you expect the helium to, to kick in? Because it, it did. I don't it did think it like will.
2: Because I don't know how people reconcile the proper level of respect for Juju Smith-Schuster without uh, clinging to Deontay Johnson trutherism. Uh, I don't like. There's this. There's this very uh, influential mode of thinking right now that like target counts are skill per se. And if you believe that, and if you know who Deontay Johnson and Juju Smith-Schuster are, you can't evaluate them as similarly. You have to add like a new condition that kind of contradicts the first one. So I think a lot of people are going to be like, oh, Juju's just a bum. Uh, You know, Fade Mahomes is A, reasonable enough. I mean, we'll see where his new price is. I imagine that's going to go down maybe quite a bit. Uh, But I think you're going to see that. And I think you're going to see people telling you to uh, put all your chips on whatever receiver they draft, which... I, I'm a fan of certainly Olave and Jamison Williams, and even in Williams's case, I'm not convinced that ACL keeps him out a single game. So uh, I'm on board with those guys, but I I don't know if the way people think right now and in, in the general markets around these players is capable of valuing any of them. Uh, Kelsey, I guess, will be valued, but it, uh, I don't think the bargain element is there. Like you, you need him to to rake to to pay off at his price,
1: right? It, it... You got to think that he's, you know, in light of this. He might go up. Kelsey might go up in the ADP. It would not surprise you. I mean, he's a guy. I don't think he should really. I don't either, but. I think he's maxed out. I mean, we we saw his yards per target drop off by like a yard and a half last year. Had six drops that tied for the most in in his career uh, to this point. And, I mean, this is just a lot of years in a row with, with uh, you know, 120 plus targets for him. And, and at this stage, I, I worry that there's an, not like a massive cliff for him. But but I think that uh, just penciling in that, that he's going to be this automatic touchdown and, and uh, reception machine. I stop short of that, at least it, when it when it comes to when you're picking him over someone else in the late first round. I, I think I'm probably going to go in a, in a different direction.
2: Yeah, I'm worried about the durability. If if the price stays the same on Kelsey, then I I think I'm interested. Just because, especially at least in PPR, I'm interested still. Just because, at that level of usage, he can be downright ugly and still pay off in fantasy. But if if we need the touchdowns, yeah, I am worried about like the touchdowns and the yardage per target uh, falling off here.
1: Yeah, I think I think the PPR uh, wrinkle uh, definitely. Uh, checks out as far as something to, to focus on, you know, sort of almost like the, the Najee Harris corollary from a year ago where fantasy yeah. production wise. Awesome. Per, per touch. Awful.
2: Yeah. A hundred and, or sorry, like 110 catches for a thousand yards is ugly, but it will pay in PPR.
1: Yeah. hundred percent. So let's go ahead. Let's zoom it out. What is like, how do you power rank the AFC West now in, in light, uh, of this move. And now with, with, with the Raiders acquiring Devonte Adams, the chargers with everything uh, that they've done in, in the Broncos too. I mean, that, this on paper is about as loaded of, of a division as we maybe have ever seen. And now that the chiefs have been the one that, that blinked and, and have, you know, been the guys that, that had the biggest contra- contribution loss uh, of this uh, group of four teams.
2: Yeah. Um, I, I was, I think the chiefs still have, time you know if they if they add olave i'm high enough on him that i'm kind of just like all right shows back on we, we, we're fine but uh if they don't get somebody like that yeah they're just kind of they're just kind of less than before and there's not much to be done about it except you know wait till next year uh the raiders are a tough one for me to figure out exactly what i think just because I, I guess their offensive line fell off a bit last year. I don't know how much that had to do with injuries. I don't know if it's just going to bounce back for no particular reason this year. Uh, if it does. Yeah, they're pretty tough. I'm a big fan of Chandler Jones. Him and Max Crosby is a lot more dangerous than the already dangerous tandem of Ng- Ngakwe and Crosby. Uh, Chandler Jones is very different level entirely. So that, that could get pretty nasty, uh, especially if they're getting leads. And I definitely think Devonte Adams is a big upgrade for them, but I do wonder if it's really uh, going to change their entire category as an offense. Like I thought they were already pretty good and I'm not really ready to consider them great uh, just because they added another good 10 yard and under average depth of target receiver. Like D- D- Darren Waller is probably their best downfield threat in that offense right now. Uh, Hunter Renfro, he's seven yards within the line of scrimmage Devontae Adams, eight, nine yards within the, the line of scrimmage. So that maybe the field's wide enough to support those guys. And I definitely have faith in Josh McDaniels. I think Carr is more or less good enough. Um, but I, I don't know if, like, I definitely am leaving out of the question, the possibility of Adams posting numbers like he did in green Bay. I think Devontae Adams on this team. Yeah. He's going to catch 110 passes probably, but I think it's going to be like 7.6 yards per target, not like nine and a half or whatever it was with Rogers. Uh, like, there's going to be a drop off there. So um, I guess I picked the, the chargers as the favorite just because i'm so high on herbert um herbert has already gunned it out with mahomes despite having less than great supporting cast so if they add olave or jameson williams that that could be the best offense in the league just with that move there i think
1: yeah i mean that they are they just need a little bit more speed at receiver do do the chargers and i suppose that the raiders do too um you know, obviously, with everything that happened with with that uh, last year, we we know that they they are lacking uh, the obvious speed element because, like you said, Devonte Adams and, and Renfro are, are two guys that that are not. Uh, I think they can run a reds. little. You
2: know, like it's 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 best to have that downfield speed, but if you don't, and if you only have horizontal pass catchers, you can still make it work if you can bash in between the tackles and make those two safeties walk up close to the line of scrimmage and. I think that Josh Jacobs could do that. And I think they'll have an up-tempo offense to kind of log a lot of plays, even if it takes them a lot of plays to get into scoring range. So I think it'll all work, but I think with the chargers, if they get some real speed for Herbert to work with, he can just strike from anywhere.
1: Yeah. Herbert is unbelievable. Uh, Obviously Mahomes is still the best quarterback, likely in the league and and in the division for sure. But, but Herbert, uh, closing that gap, this will be his third season. Yeah. If Keenan Allen can can continue to hold up and be as reliable as he is and if Eckler can keep things rolling, then, you know, there, there's so much to like about the, this Chargers team. It's really hard to parse out. And then uh, we haven't even touched on a Broncos team, the, the team that has been held up for years as like, oh, they're just a quarterback away. They got a quarterback and and look at it now. Like if They are the fourth team that we're discussing in the AFC West.
2: Yeah, they're uh, they're looking way better with that quarterback upgrade. I am probably not quite as high on Russell Wilson as some people, and I'm a little worried that he's not a great fit with Jerry Judy. If Jerry Judy's playing in the slot, like they might want to make their base formation Jerry Judy and Cortland Sutton outside, and Albert Quagman playing slot receiver because uh, Tyler Lockett never really got going underneath and in the intermediate with the with the Seahawks. I don't think that's because he couldn't. I think it's just that Russell Wilson doesn't really look to that range of the field uh, until you get to a 10, 12 plus yard depth and you're stressing the safeties down the seam. And that's where you would hit Lockett all the time. It's not common to see a slot receiver who's a downfield specialist with super high efficiency like Tyler Lockett was with with the Seahawks. And I don't think Judy can play that game. I think Oquagunum is probably a little better for that post route. So we'll see. Um, I, it's going to be good, including for Judy. Like it's got to be an upgrade for Judy, even if, uh, you know, he's not 100% hitting every cylinder. I just think that, um, I just think highly of Judy and I could imagine him easily catching like a hundred passes in a different scenario, but not this one.
1: Okay. All right. So that's an interesting n- nugget on, on Judy and his potential alignment, but you know what they got a new coaching staff in there. So, I mean, they're kind of starting fresh, which I think is, you know, bodes well for for the Broncos overall, but Um, I guess the way I view it is probably Chargers by a hair, then Chiefs, then Raiders, then Broncos.
2: Yeah, I I don't mean to actually disagree, but just to be pedantic, I'll I'll say the same thing for the Chargers, but the other three all on
1: the same line right underneath. Got it. Okay. All right. That checks out. But yeah, the, the AFC is... Uh, it is it is so beyond loaded. And now the Dolphins obviously get a little bit more interesting. But I think one of the big takeaways from our podcast last week was our discussion on Tua Tungavailoa and, and you know, the, the health of, of this Miami offense. And they've done things, of course, to, to help put him in position to succeed. It's not just Tyreek Hill uh, getting Teron Armstead, getting Connor Williams. Uh, adding a little bit to to that backfield. I mean, Chase Edmonds, you know, they they just have a bunch of just a guy types uh, in that backfield, but it's not a lot of speed all of a sudden and tons of speed in the offensive line should be, should be better. It was one of the worst, if not the worst, if I remember correctly. um, Yeah. So their offensive
2: line still might be bad at four spots, but if Armstead can stay healthy, that's a good start. Certainly. And the other thing is with speed, like Tyreek Hill, uh, Jalen Waddle and, and Gesicki all on the field at the same time. And I guess maybe even most factors in, in some looks like you're, you're just not going to blitz as much as a defensive coordinator. You're going to be careful about going after the quarterback too aggressively. So that offensive line probably still sucks, but even if, you know, even aside from the Armstead improvement, like you're not going to see defenses approach them the same now. It, they, they just won't, they can't do it.
1: But, but you know, what, what does that mean exactly? But you know, Miami is obviously going to be approached differently uh, by by opposing defenses. But you know, what does Tua need to do to take the next step? Is Tyreek Hill like do, when you watched Tua last year? Did it feel like if oh, if they had one more insane speed option other than Jalen Waddle, who they were just running on these really short routes and not really even maximizing his skill set necessarily? I mean, this this does bring some concern to me like in the sense that I don't necessarily feel like that this fixes everything for, for Miami. I I worry that the Tua is the the thread that might unravel the whole deal.
2: Yeah. So I was, I was saying maybe in our last podcast, that thing sounded really bad for Tua and they do. It seems like he's not very good at all, but when you have these receivers, you probably don't need to be good to put up, certainly for fantasy purposes, we don't care after a certain point, Um, you know, they might, they might lose a lot of close games or something. They might, they might go eight and nine doing it, but they're probably going to complete a lot of passes with players like this. It almost doesn't matter who the quarterback is. And, you know, as as bad as Tua has been, he still was a better player, the better exact same style of player at Alabama than Mac Jones was. And, you know, Mac Jones, he doesn't look like a world beater or anything, but you don't see the panic in new England like you do around Tua. And uh, I think a lot of that is personality, but I, I do think there has to be some ability uh, similarities there. Like if, if there is, then I just can't imagine Tua being bad enough to blow it with with Hill, Waddle, and Gasicki all in the field at the same time. And, and Moser might, again, Moser and Edmonds might draw some level of attention from the middle of the field defense. So you've got the scenario where even if Tua is just some, you know, noodle-armed coward quarterback, who can only throw like six or seven yards at a time, okay, that's not great. But if you must do that, having on the left side Tyree Kill and having on the right side Waddle, having Gesicki in the middle of the field for the safeties to uh, to make the safety pay if they try to double either receiver in question, like that just might be too tough on a defense to defend. It might just be, you know, the, the, the defense is playing on all Madden and Tua's playing on rookie level, basically. Like he can be terrible and still kind of just – not be bad enough to make the machine
1: stop working so uh with with this Tyreek news where do you envision his ADP settling in right now because his ADP dating back to like the start of draft season so I haven't filtered it super closely over the last couple of weeks but overall uh Tyreek Hill is going a pit on average like a pick above Debo Samuel and a couple ahead of Stefan Diggs if you were to re-rank that trio, how would you do it?
2: Yeah, I would definitely take Diggs. Debo is tougher just because the, I feel like the durability and the, the question of the running versus receiving usage is such a weird question. It's it's kind of hard for me to have a strong opinion on where he goes. So uh but with yeah, the other the other case you have a player who should draw a similar target share, if not higher, because there is I mean, I like Gabriel Davis a lot, but he's not Jalen Waddle. Uh, so, like, Diggs could have a higher share of a better offense. The offense will be better. The question is, does Tyreek have a higher enough share than Diggs to close the gap? And I don't think he will. I don't know. I just can't really see it.
1: No, I don't, I don't either. I think Waddle has really, you know, locked himself into, you know, where he'll he'll be seeing 20-plus percent of the targets. So that, you know, take that off the board. You've you got role. role. Um, yeah, I don't necessarily envision Hill, like, getting – Peppered with, with targets, maybe enough, or, or you know, relative to the share that the digs will. So I, I like the digs call um, there, and all those guys going early second in twelve teamers. Tyreek Hill the thirteenth in ADP, Debo fourteenth, Stefan Diggs uh, sixteen. So it, you know, kind of a sweet spot for for receivers there. We'll, there yeah, love that. Uh, we'll see where where Hill's new um, ADP settles in. That's that's definitely um, going to be interesting. Uh, Before we move on over to our next topics, got a message from our friends over at BlueWire.
0: We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast.
1: We also got a message from our friends over at Winbet. Winbet is now the exclusive sponsor for Roadwire's Fantasy Podcast. Winbet brings you all the latest action with a user-friendly interface, moneyline bets, boosted parlays, over/unders, round robins, live betting, and so much more at your fingertips. Want a break from sports betting? Head into Winbet's digital casino and take a spin on roulette, double down in blackjack, slam the slots, or try your hand at baccarat. Winbet is currently available in nine states as Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Louisiana, Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Tennessee, and Virginia while rapidly expanding. At Winbet, the possibilities are limitless. Register for Winbet today. Make a qualifying deposit and wager to receive $200 in free bets. Promotion may vary. by state. Download Winbet now. That's W-Y-N-N-B-E-T. Winbet, the exclusive partner for Rotowires, Fantasy Podcast. All right, Mario. So we've done a lot of talk on just the the movement from today, just from Wednesday. Let's go back in time a little bit. Let's talk about this Deshaun Watson move to Cleveland. Your thoughts on, you know, how that changes the fortunes potentially of of that franchise? Did you think that Cleveland was going to be the team that, that came out with him? And you know, what what do we think of, you know, what what is now a, a Pretty loaded on paper, AFC North.
2: Yeah, uh, there's a lot of issues with Deshaun Watson. His talent is not one of them. So he's probably, assuming he doesn't have a case of the yips, you know, like guilty yips or something, and he's probably going to be, I don't know, as high as like a top five quarterback uh, whenever, uh, if he's not suspended, you know, this year, but whenever he plays next, basically. I don't know. Has there been any concrete assurance on what that'll be? I, I, on the one I hand, I can imagine anything. the NFL just not giving him a suspension for the same reason they didn't suspend Tyree Kill, which is that for the nature of the offense in question, you can't uh, like offset the ambiguity of the ruling uh, with the you know the severity of the crime and and putting like a middle ground half measure sort of punishment. Like you can't say, well we didn't convict you. You didn't get convicted of that, but we're, it still looked awfully suspicious. So two games, you know, Yeah, yeah. they have to say like, you're guilty full year, or we didn't see anything. It's like, I, that's, that's what they did with Tyreek. And they said that we didn't see anything. So uh, maybe they can't do it this time. I don't know, but I have to believe that's their first goal of it. And uh, I don't, I don't know what Tony Busby or whoever else has to say about it, but um, Deshaun is a, the the amount of distance between like Baker Mayfield and Deshaun Watson is it, it's it's like an incomprehensible. It's one of those things you could put a number on it maybe, but it's like you can't really appreciate it. It's the, they're totally different categories of players.
1: Yeah, so you know now now with that in mind, and you you have a, a Cleveland team that just got Amari Cooper. uh You still have one of the best run games. It, they're gonna in, pick the, one at eight, league. I bet.
2: I bet they're going to say like Garrett Wilson or somebody that pick, whatever that is, nine or 10 or eight or whatever. Okay.
1: So yeah, cause that adds in and you know, you can't really have, like I like Jakeem Grant and I like Anthony Schwartz. That's a lot of speed to have at your disposal, but um, you know, I, th- I think you need a, a little bit more of a complete player, maybe, maybe Drake London may, makes sense there. They also yeah. might be signing Will Fuller. How much more speed do they need? Well, I guess that, you know, that, that fits nicely with Deshaun Watson. Obviously those two, um, have a really good history together. You got an offensive line that um, just had some of the worst injury luck uh, in the league last year. is brutal. But on, on paper, when those when those starting five are healthy, that's going mm. to keep Deshaun Watson upright.
2: Yeah, Chubb might average like seven yards a
1: carry this year. Ooh. So, <laughs> so, so yeah. So, I mean, obviously, this is a, this is a, a splash move that that has a lot of implications. So, your thoughts? First uh, on yeah, that this chub, this run game, and then how are you on this current group of pass catchers relative to ADP?
2: Uh it's hard to hate Cooper. I mean, he's a good player. Dallas didn't trade him because he was playing poorly. They just the, their cap wouldn't really allow it. Um, he's not reliable though. He's been injured even more than his missed games count lately would lead you to believe. There's there's so many games where he's he played 35, 40 snaps even, but it's like he was leaving every other drive and they're stretching out this, they're putting some kind of wrap on that. And it's just constant. So I don't want to assume that he'll age that well, durability wise. Um, but between him, uh, Schwartz, if they especially add fuller, you know, people's Jones, that's a lot of big playability and Watson's definitely the kind of player to capitalize on it. So, uh, yeah, somebody might not be that good on that offense, and still might put up really big numbers just because of the touchdowns and like the amount of explosive plays. Otherwise, I guess David and Joku could really break out, especially with Hooper not there.
1: Did, yeah, this uh, yeah, Cleveland's offense looks a whole lot more interesting now in 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 light of all this. Um, you know, still a tough division and everything like that, and it'll take Watson, you know, settling into a new system. But um,
2: I bet they so take I, it. if he doesn't have the yips and he's actually on the field
1: yeah then uh they win the division
2: yeah uh, of course part of the the background here is like i just think greg roman's such an idiot i don't (laughs) think the ravens can compete uh otherwise they would like if if you were running the ravens john i would pick the ravens to win but uh it's it's greg roman that uh little tick
1: yeah he um i don't know he's got to change up his uh his shirt selection it's Funky looking shirts. Um, it's not not helping his cause. It's not not helping us like him any anymore. Uh, Leave Greg. Never get, return. Get get out. Get out of here, ghost. Um, let's see. Moving moving on elsewhere. Anything else to to add on, on to Cleveland? Or I guess uh, d- doubling back a couple of quarterback questions. Will you take? Is Tua on your radar now at, at ADP after this trade? And, and then uh, Watson. How high is too high?
2: I'm going to need some sort of like legal assurance on Watson before I get interested as early as someone else in any given draft is likely to. Like I assume someone's going to take him in like the ninth round just because like, oh, well, if he doesn't play, who cares? And if he does play, I got the QB one and I'm never going to take that leap. Um, I don't know how far he needs to fall. There is a certain point, uh, basically the point where I'm like, I'm okay with just completely burning this pick. Uh, but it's, it's whatever that point is and not any sooner. Cause I, we still don't really know what all he's on the hook for. I mean, he's, he's looking better than he did a couple weeks ago or whatever, but we, it's going to be hard. It's going to be hard to know, especially when the NFL, it, it like literally has an arbitrary process. Like it, it can only be described as arbitrary. There's no precedent that needs to be adhered to. There's no standards of any sort. It's whatever Goodell thinks decides to do whatever, he, whatever he uh, gets told to do, I guess, more likely, uh so i don't know don't know where that's going um i will say uh matt ryan going to the colts is kind of interesting like him and Tua are probably in a similar spot for me like ryan i think is a pretty good player who's just you know in a stable environment uh give you give you something reliable not much upside whereas with tua i'm not expecting upside there either but i'm expecting consistency just for the the pass catchers around him so they're, they're in a similar category for me. Whereas like if Watson is guaranteed to be on the field, he's a case of plus talent and plus situation and, uh, or, you know, enough situation that he can be, uh, that he can rank where his talent generally dictates. And that's very high.
1: So, uh, among that, that group go, going like like towards like the end of the eighth, like the ninth round. So you got Derek Carr, uh, Trevor Lawrence, uh, a little further down, you, you run into two, uh, uh, Matt Ryan, uh, just behind him as well. So, are th- are those different tiers? Are those far enough to to where like you, you have to separate you know your your Lawrence's and your Derek cars from, from those two? Or do you think that 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 like quartet it kind of exemplifies like the 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 guys that if you waited on quarterback, you need to get at least one of, or or maybe if you want to go like a, you know premium and and have two really good quarterbacks that that's the the path you go. You go one a little bit earlier, and you then you target one of those four.
2: Yeah, I guess it could depend on what you need. Like if there's there's some roster constructions where you theoretically might need like a dependable quarterback and others where you're like, I need upside right now. And if you're the second case, you're more likely maybe to rationalize guys like Tua and Lawrence higher. But if you need dependability, it's like Carr is at the top of that list from that particular group, you know, and and, and by quite a bit to the point that maybe it's worth paying up more. Um, but yeah, I guess it it just kind of depends on what kind of risk you're taking, I guess. Cause like, I think, I think the floor is very high for car and the the ceiling only moderate. So like, if you need more than moderate, he won't cut it. But if, if you can't afford less than okay, I think he does.
1: All right. Fair summation there. Um, yeah, I'll I'll be interested in in that tier. Um, I'm a believer in in a Trevor Lawrence bounce back, but uh, I'm going to
2: also, I believe in Christian Kirk. I think, uh, that, I mean, I'm supposed to be the Trent bulky hating guy. Like, that was my bit. And, yeah. you know, now I got to spend all he this time. He took the
1: vinegar out of it.
2: Yeah, they're, like, stealing my – they're blowing up my spot, whatever it is uh, you say in these situations. Um, but, yeah, I was like, you can say that he sucks. I do. I still say it. I'm not saying, like, Trent's good now. I'm saying Trent sucks and the Christian Kirk contract and the Zay Jones contract, totally fine. Uh, I would have re-signed DJ Chark. But uh, in addition to signing Christian Kirk, but, uh, you know, I, it's still it's still not as bad as a like they're, they're paying the two of them like forty three million over the, the next uh, two years combined. And uh, like Cooper and Woods, something like fifty six million. So um, it could be it could be a lot worse, especially when you're talking about bulky. And uh, the one thing I will say, I really hope they get some real field stretching presence like Olave, Jamison Williams again, of course. But uh, maybe Justin Ross would work with Lawrence in in the second or third. I don't really know. But they got to get him a bit more, get him some speed, especially.
1: So sticking in Jacksonville for a second, you you mentioned DJ Chark. I thought that that he had some of the the best quotes from the Urban Meyer article. Did you read it?
2: Yeah, and I bet people don't know this generally, but DJ Chark will pay a price from the NFL, from coaches, front offices, uh, owners even, for saying what he said. You'll notice there weren't other on-the-record sources there. Other yeah, there's pretty much just Chris, Marvin Jones. Just the Marvin punter, Jones, I guess, yeah. technically otherwise, who <laughs> said that he kicked me. Um so yeah, DJ Chark will get labeled a locker room lawyer for the rest of his career for saying that, even though everyone knows it's all true, and everybody, even though no one even likes Urban Meyer. They just there's just this stupid, you know, you know, meat-headed culture that's like, you know, don't snitch don't 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 uh you know break the chain of command all it's like all that crap uh but an even dumber version of it where it's like you're gonna you're gonna get mad at a guy for for saying uh urban meyer is a is a dumbass and you know yeah. talking about all these things that he did but they will that's just that's how this that's how that culture is maintained that's why it
1: you know stays in power yeah it's it's that's crazy to me it's unfortunate because it i you know i and it's like Colonel, maybe I can understand some of it or, or like, you know, that, 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 that's how it's always been. But like, you don't need to like go, go to bat for urban, My- for urban Meyer or, or uh, right, that's, that's the other thing. That's mad at a whistleblower.
2: You're going to have guys like, you know, Chris Doyle, that special, that, that strength and conditioning guy, whatever, whatever pieces of urban Myers extended network that still is in the league. It's like, they're going to, they're going to bad mouth shark. They're going to say like, Oh yeah. I, uh, they're going to do that thing that people do where they say, I support the message. I just don't like the way that he did it." Oh, you know, th- that kind of nonsense. Like the ultimate coward position of, of condemning it silently and, you know, you know, carrying a, a, a blade in the dark instead of just like putting it out in the open and taking your actual position openly, because you don't want to deal with the bad PR of being, you know, basically a stupid callous person. Uh, so yeah, they're, they're never going to come. No one was willing to speak in that article in, on the record defense of Meyer you know and yet there will be murmurs of like well chart didn't have to you know say that about him
1: uh, I I tweeted this out but but after reading it I, I think that the most damning part of that article again that this article over on, on the athletic um is how unsurprising any of it was like oh, a, yeah. a, anything that that was written... a lot of it was out for a while too true true so I, I wish there was a little bit of more new info but What what did come across? You know him just constantly berating players, telling them they're all going to get cut and fired. Like it (laughs) It sounds like there wasn't.
2: It sounds like every single proceeding that they had was a very short and b just like Meyer getting there and being like, "Who all? Let's see who all is here. Uh, I hate all of you. Uh, You're scum." show me your show me your
1: national championship your mothers race.
2: should be ashamed of you all i gotta go to this thing bye
1: right? <laughs> i got uh, a hey, dinner james
2: robinson I'll, I'll come back later
1: <laughs> oh my god yeah the james robinson thing was i have to go hilarious. to columbus
2: for uh for a reason can't
1: tell yeah, you why. they're having a special on flat iron steaks at my restaurant or something um but i don't know that that article just ridiculous, um, and it was basically else?
2: all old info. But Chark coming out and sticking his neck out to say like, "Yeah, go ahead and say I told you," you
1: know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he did. He definitely put his name to it, and and uh, yeah, but much uh, respect for him. Uh, anything else that you wanted to to add on here before we run?
2: Oh, not really. I'm trying to. This hill thing is pushing it back again. I keep trying to get things finalized, posted. Uh, To basically put all kind of make like an off season March kit kind of thing of like, here's all the crap that happened in the past two weeks. And here's what, you know, here's the ADPs of these people. Here's where it might go. And I'm going to try to get very quickly after posting that, uh, like a top, uh, a final pre-draft rookie ranking thing, broken broken into tiers up to like a top 50 or something like that. Uh, So yeah, trying to get all that out shortly after this or something.
1: Yes. Okay, so keep an eye for that. And, and uh, Alan posted, Alan Soslowski, uh, one of our video guys and, and NFL guys, uh, ran a rookie mock the other week, a three-rounder. We talked about it a little bit. I four, think. John. Four, four. That's right. We expanded it. Um, after the Combine, so check that out. We got re- uh, write-ups from every single participant breaking down their picks. Check that out over on rotawire.com under the NFL section. Otherwise, keep it locked here for all the latest news, notes, injuries, all that good stuff over at rotowire.com. Uh, if you want a free trial, it's rotowire.com forward slash try. That's going to wrap it up for this edition of the Rotowire NFL podcast. Again, brought to you by our friends over at WinBet. From Mario Puig, I'm John McCackney. Thanks for listening.
0: Try Rotowire today, free for 10 days. Get our premium tools,
2: rankings, analysis, and breaking news alerts. No credit card required. Go to rotowire.com forward slash.
0: Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies.